Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. It's Michelle Thompson here with Anthony Ione and Trey Ryder. And we are coming off a weekend over in Portland, Oregon for the third national, the ACL bag brawl. We're going to talk about singles and doubles and teams. We're going to look at some mid-season award ballots and then, of course, close it out with our hot takes. Um, Portland was very convenient for me to travel to, I must say. I haven't been yeah. to Portland in like over 15 years, and I have to say it's different than what I remember. <laughs> What's different? <laughs> um, They've legalized some things that have made it a little bit um, messy. Oh, um, and so it's just, yeah, I talked to quite a few Uber drivers and they did say like, it's gone downhill in the last two years. And, um, it's kind of a bummer actually, but the event center was awesome. It was super spacious, like no, nothing on top of each other, plenty of room to walk around like that. Yeah. I loved. Huh, pretty, wonder, good synopsis, wonder... pretty good synopsis, Michelle. Like <laughs> it's good places to eat, but like. You got to go in there and then you kind of leave. And then otherwise, like the event center was great. And it's just like, yeah, just don't walk down the street. You'll be good. <laughs> I wonder why that is, because obviously in Colorado, we're, we're kind of on a similar path of legalizing things. But it's it's a our, our I feel like our state is growing in the positive direction. So that's that's mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, I know. I think it was more the um, like you could live anywhere you want to live has been the biggest issue. Oh, more okay. than any of the other things they're legalizing. I think that's creating the biggest problem there. But um, yeah, definitely good food, good coffee. Um, Chase and Athena and Wally and I did go to, uh, not Wally, Corey and I went to that that bougie uh, bar that Chase wanted to go to and they did have really good cocktails. So oh, nice. Um, that was cool to get well, at least one of those evenings in. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. And then Corey and I did the Cupid Shuffle. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> That's a, win. Right. that's a win yeah it's that's a win anytime i can dance it's a win all right let's get into hey, uh singles hey, first so, sorry sorry to cut you off i just you know go nugs oh okay. go nugs. come on <laughs> are there, are there other sports? michelle didn't give anthony any time to gloat about <laughs> the nuggets. did anything Zero. happen yesterday <laughs> hey this is this well, is huge for us i mean we haven't even been i mean we've been kind of i don't know if you want to call it close but th this is by far the best team we've had in nba history so we're we're all pumped you know we've had a lot of really crappy seasons um showed a little promise you know when carmelo came in they had iverson for a second but really this this is this is huge for us this is uh huge for us so we're, we're really pumped here it was dope man we had like fireworks going off last night and i saw uh gordon like walking home with like a crowd of people no shirt on like on a on a social media it was getting kind of crazy but yeah the nuggets got it done man we're, we're, we're excited so funny we're at the event anthony and we're, we're michelle is you know we're just talking about sideline reporting or whatever and um you know i'm like oh do you do you like, are you interested in like talking and see if you can possibly do other sports? And she goes, no, I don't do sports. <laughs> I said, <laughs> sideline reporter for a sports league that doesn't do, doesn't do sports. I don't do sports. <laughs> oh, that's now, funny. I do like to watch football, um, but I've uh, never played sports. So I don't know. It's just a weird position for me to be in. But here I am. It is cornhole though. Come on now. I can play yeah. cornhole. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not athletic, but it's okay. Anyone can play and anyone can win. <laughs> uh, there it is. Go uh, speaking, yes. speaking of which, let's get into pro singles and our 
first place winner is none other than teenage Fisher Hamilton. I mean, this isn't even fair to all these people that have been in the league playing for 10 plus years. And here comes Fisher Hamilton taking the win there. But he did incredible. Second place, Tony Smith. And then third, Mark Richards and Matt Guy. I will say, unfortunate that Caleb, because Caleb Batson's playing obviously awesome all weekend, and, and we see the win though over there in doubles. But he had Fisher in his bracket, uh, and they and that was a tough match to get um, out of that bracket. But uh, Trey, what are your thoughts on singles? Yeah, and Justin Burton Jr. <laughs> Justin Burton Jr. was also in that bracket. Now Justin Burton Jr. didn't have as great of a finish, dropped way down, right? So. Uh, but uh, Fisher Hamilton played. He finally finished. He played an yes. elite, you know, an elite tournament from start to finish for the first time. And I think that's bad news for a lot of people because it means that he's going to have that now broadcast experience of having success there. And I think that's a problem for everybody else as we move forward. Fisher Hamilton, don't surprise me if he passes Justin Burton Jr. by the end of the season when it comes to Rookie of the Year because of how well he is playing right now. He played, he didn't play a hybrid game. <laughs> we talked about this evolution to a hybrid game. That was not Fisher Hamilton. He played about as dirty of a game as you could possibly imagine. Every single round that I saw was having bags in front of the board. Broadcast court, maybe not because they ended up a little bit faster, but every single round in which he played, uh, he, he was there. I'll also say this much. I think if Matt Guy plays anybody else, Matt Guy wins that entire thing. But Fisher Hamilton had the exact different play style that was needed to combat Matt's style because yep. he put a block in front of the hole every time, told Matt Guy, you're, you're going to need to throw 50 airmails in this game. And when you only hit 35 of them, I'm going to score on every single one of those. And that's exactly what happened. Fisher Hamilton systematically dismantled that guy in that semifinal. It wasn't even close, right? I think it was 21 to 7, which you don't see that type of blowout when it comes to a, uh, a, a pro single semifinal all the way at that level. So kudos to Hamilton. He outlasted Tony Smith. Um you know, Tony Smith, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about in a second, but, um, you know, Fisher was, was, it was incredible. Mark Richards, I also thought was really, really good all, you know, all tournament long. He's consistently up there. He is now the number two player um, in the country. So he is throwing at an, an incredibly high level right now. Um, Caleb Batson was unreal. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit more about him in doubles. Cheyenne Bubenheim looked really, ah. really good this weekend. This was back to her form, and she is definitely going to be in the conversation for a top 10 player if she can repeat her performance in Detroit because Erie was such a poor performance relative to what she did both in Corpus Christi, where, remember, she finished third in her bracket. This time she finishes second in her bracket, and to be honest with you, she should have won game one of that double dip against Mark Richards. She didn't miss much all day long. She missed one airmail that she could have had to beat Mark yes. Richards in that game. So I, I argue she could have all you know won at least game one. Tough to say that you're definitely going to win two games in a row against Mark Richards. But having said all that, she had an incredible weekend. Stephen Burnisette, hello, Stephen Burnisette, and welcome. Let's go. I mean. 
I don't know how much I can bank on that repeat performance because it was so stellar. And mostly because I, I, you know, anecdotally, I'd like to go back and watch the game, but there was a two or three game span towards the end of that bracket that he was competing in where I legitimately think he hit 85% on airmails. I mean, wow. it, it couldn't have been much less than 85%. I mean, he was absolutely killing it on the airmail game. He has a great performance. Um, a number of good players. And I'll, I'll kind of finish with Tony Smith, who I think had an opportunity to steal the entire weekend. And I know he and a lot of others will maybe be a little bit discouraged and say, well, he didn't sweep the weekend. So it, it isn't, you know, what we thought, but you really hit the level set and say, we're talking about the difference in what eight points, nine points total across the two games. If those flip and Tony Smith wins singles and doubles, we're now talking about Tony Smith, no longer Justin Burton Jr. that we thought was going to have the, the historic season, no longer Mark Richards that had it last season. I mean, you're talking about, you know, Jamie Graham last year level of, of dominance across a certain period of time, which has just been, you know, unprecedented. So um, Tony Smith, in my mind, he's he's still got to do whatever he can to come out of this weekend very optimistic and very positive. I think there was a couple decisions and a little bit of an adrenaline rush that yep. contributed to his loss. Um, and I think he'll learn from that, right? And I think if he can maintain a positive attitude, he's gonna be he's gonna be totally fine. But again, I just go back to Fisher Hamilton. Again, I want to reiterate this wasn't a hybrid win. This was a this is I'm gonna block my way into into a, a national championship. And uh, he did it at a high level, so kudos to Fisher Hamilton. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to take a, kind of a bigger picture thought, because this is a great part in the season where, uh, just to kind of explain for those that may not know, right? We have our national series. We have a series of four nationals, and then that takes us into Worlds. We're at this point where we're through three of four nationals. After the fourth national, our last national coming up, we drop the worst performance of everyone's uh, of, of the worst performance of the four nationals. So we're kind of getting this big picture of where everybody is located at in the ranks amongst all the pros. So I just kind of want to take a, after a natty three, take kind of a, a bigger picture look, um, kind of holding steady. You know, we have an Allen Rawls out there. Probably a lot of people wouldn't have expected him to hold as steady as he is holding his third place position after natty three. Um, <clears throat> you know, he wins back to back national, uh, national brackets he takes 21st overall at national three and uh a, a joe neistat as well holding steady at his sixth place finish even with his worst showing at national three just passing here taking fifth in his bracket graham holding steady doesn't move out of 11 logan chamberlain and shibner also holding their positions uh inside the top 25 spots so those are your guys coming out of natty three um who kind of held steady making some moves you got a Hunter Thorne making a one-spot move, which is really tough. Going from 10th to 9th, taking 4th in his bracket, coming out of Natty. Devin Harbaugh jumping the three toughest spots that there are, going from 4th to 1st, and he's doing it with consistency. He's not doing it with bonus points, winning bracket playoffs, or winning, uh, winning uh, the whole thing with those bonus points. Natty number one, he gets a bracket win in second overall. Natty two, he gets a fourth overall. Natty three, he gets, uh, uh, or excuse me, fourth in his bracket. Natty three, second in his bracket. So he's doing it 
with consistency. And I think that's interesting that the number one player in the world has not won a national. He's doing it with consistent finishes. Mark Richards moving from six, six to second. So that's a four spot jump for him. Um, and another bracket win at Natty too. So again, another consistent guy. Caleb Batson, we're kind of increasing spot jumps now. A five spot jump going uh, from eighth to third and also doing it without uh, bonus points, without playoff bracket wins or bracket playoffs and without winning tournaments. So he's consistent. Fourth, second, second in brackets. So Caleb Batson, extremely consistent. How about a seven spot jump from Tony Smith? Uh, he's going to move into the 12 spot, kind of peeking into that top 10. And I'm going to drop a little hint here. You know, we'll kind of talk maybe in the future on this show here when we drop worst. If we dropped worst finishes today, Tony Smith is number five in the world. So just want to just want to throw that out there. Um, a big spot jump for Fisher Hamilton. He goes from 16th to 6th with that national win. That's one of the biggest jumps, I think, moving inside a, that kind of that first to 16th spot. It's tough to move spots. So to move 10 from 16th to 6th is huge. A.J. Sims, my man A.J. Sims. How about this guy? He jumps 11 spots, um, moving from 30 to 19th. Uh, so that's a big move for A.J. Sims. Ryan Windsor also with an 11 spot jump moving upward. Cody Henderson, he jumps 18 spots. So a big a big move for him. He uh, placed fourth in his bracket at Natty 3. That was a huge move for him to kind of get closer and inside that top 20. We talked about Cheyenne Bubenheim. 22 spots. She goes from 42nd to 20th, guys. So now we're talking about Cheyenne as a top 20 player uh, and doing it with those evolutions. I know she's switching bags-ish around this late in the season, uh, but those are playing out for her really nice. She said they're playing faster than her normal bags. She's liking how those are playing. Let's look at the other side of that, Mish, real quick from a singles perspective. Who's kind of moving downward? Who's who's seeing trends in the opposite direction? Uh, we got a Trzinski. Still holding 10, though. He was 8. Now he's top 10. Still a consistent guy. This kid's a shooter. Really impressed. Justin Burton Jr., the number one player in the world, is now fourth. He's going to fall uh, after his Natty 3 performance. Not worried about this guy at all, right? We talked about dropping your worst performance. This is it. Justin Burton Jr. is going to drop that Natty 3. He's going to move right back to the number one spot. He just needs to come out at uh, National 4 and kind of repeat what he's been doing. Matthew Creek Killer also jumping four spots as well as uh, as well as uh, Eric Davis uh, with a big jump. He went from 21 to 10. So, uh, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 21 to 10. So that's that's a that's a big jump for Eric Davis there. Some other big falls. Alex Hicks dropping 12 spots. Um, he's he moved into the 24. So now he's kind of outside of top 15, outside of top 20, out there at uh, at 24. Um, yeah, Nat, Natty 3 just wasn't a good one for him. Took 23rd in his bracket. Alex Rawls, another one of those players with a big drop. He's going to go 14 spots uh, from 2nd to 16th. Um, that's a big dip. But again, take away that worst place finish. I think he's going to move up no problem. Trey Birchfield, man, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, he drops 15 spots. Trey Birchfield, the 97th ranked player overall. You know, I'm sitting here going, wait, what is going on here? You know, Birchfield barely holding on to top 100. I mean, I would have lost my house on that, Trey, if at the beginning of the year you said, what do you think Trey Birchfield's chances are of making top 100? Uh, I would have put, put my house on that one. Like, that. that's unreal. So I'd uh, like to see uh, Trey Birchfield, um, you know, getting back into it. 
Minus 18 spots, Eric Anderson. He's going backwards. Jeff Reynolds falls 21 spots. Barely, he, he falls outside of the top 100. We have a Jeff Reynolds moving to 118. So that big drop pulls him out of the top 100. Tubby Cobb drops 26 spots. Um, that one kind of hurts for him. I think he's a consistent guy too. If he can drop that national, he's going to move back in. And then here's where, here's some stingers. Tyler Parent falls 31 spots on the bubble of the top 100. Timothy Pitcher drops 33 spots, sitting at 16. We got a Zachary Engelkin that was looking really impressive as a rookie coming in. He was sitting at 31. He drops 31 spots to 65. And then Troxel Troxel with one of the biggest falls. He falls 42, uh, barely inside 100 right now. Me sitting at 93. That's crazy. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to be really curious to see, you know, what happens after National Four and we wipe one of these and, and see where these numbers lie. But we'll get yeah. into doubles next. Oh, did you want to add to that, Trey? I was going to say, the only comment I'll make is, you know, the, the dynamic that you get a lot with dropping the National is you'll no longer see anybody plummet in a ranking, right? So where they are right now, you could see them drop 10 places max, but you're not going to see them drop much because if they go out in the last national of the year and they finished horribly, yep. what's going to happen is they're not going to move down. Because, I mean, they're not going to lose any points or anything because that will be the event that they end up dropping, right? So you may see big jumps, right? You know, and, and I think there's a couple good candidates for those big jumps. We talked about Cheyenne. She's got that one bad finish. Tony Smith's got the one bad finish. Even Fisher Hamilton's got kind of that one weird bad finish, and the other two are pretty solid. So, like, someone like those have a better opportunity to, to jump than someone like a Devin Harbaugh, who is number one because he's gotten high-level finishes. If he drops one, it would he may gain a couple points unless he wins the entire thing and is able to score some big bonus points. So. All right, getting into doubles next. In first place, Kayla Batson and Eddie Grindersleeve. Second place, Tony Smith and Jacob Trzinski. And in third, Jamie Graham and Matt Guy and Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld. Trey, what do you think about doubles? Hey, uh, the star of this entire tournament, and you can't change my mind, is, is Kayla Batson. Um, was absolutely unbelievable. We're talking outrageous, uh, a 10-8-6 tournament average going into the final four he was an 11.2 so the broadcast court brought him all the way from an 11.2 to a 10.86 i believe was the final stat through over 220 rounds throughout the entire tournament with only one yes. bag that's off so the crazy board. that's so one crazy. bag off the board just an outrageous statistic he was you know if he doesn't have Fisher Hamilton in his bracket and he ends up having to play Fisher Hamilton in the finals and loses to Fisher Hamilton, we're talking about Kayla Batson stealing the weekend, right? We're talking about Tony Smith and Kayla Batson going toe-to-toe -to, -toe to see who's going to win it, right? So um, Kayla Batson was unbelievable. I was so happy for Eddie Grindersleeve. He's been a pro's pro for so many years now. Been so close to that big signature victory. And I could see the uh, relief in the celebration by Eddie Grindersleeve, right? It was almost like, oh my gosh, finally, we can do, I, I did it. Like we did it. 
Um, so it was really special to watch that. Matt Guy and Jamie Graham, you know, Anthony, Bernie, and all of us, you know, we kind of said it's it's coming, right? And and they showed up. And on that broadcast court, Jamie Graham was borderline unbelievable uh, or unbeatable, I should almost say. I mean, he hits 40, what was it, 41 out of 44 back? No, I think he hit 45 out of 48 for the game in total. And the problem was the two of the ones that he missed were on the same round, gave up a five spot to Tony Smith. Jacob Trzinski is really the one that propelled him and Tony Smith to a victory over Jamie Graham and Matt Guy because of how much Trzinski was was putting points on Matt Guy. So, uh which is not Matt Guy like, uh, kind of kind of surprising there. But I say all that to say Jamie Graham and Matt Guy were were resembling what we've seen in the past, and um, that should be reassuring for a lot of people if you're if you're Jamie Graham and Matt Guy fans. Ryan Smith and Ryan Wiedenfeld kind of got their first big run or or over the hump in a way at a national event. They came close in Corpus Christi. They lost in the semifinal one game away. So, um, so, but it was good to see them on the broadcast court as a unit after, uh, for the second time after they won that first pro shootout of the season. I think they're a team that can continue to, to build some momentum here. Burton and Chamberlain still think one of the top teams in the country. Um, I was really happy to also see the Gores start to play as a unit again. Jackson Gore starting to put it together, starting to throw a little bit like his 2022 self. And that's scary if you're thinking about it because of how well Jacob Gore has been playing. I think it really sets up, especially being able to play on their home turf in Rock Hill at the World Championships. Gore and Gore would not be a team that I'd want in my bracket. Um, Maybe the last call out for me is, I could not believe the consistent play that I saw from Steve Schrader and Blake Karnick. They were kind of our Cinderella story of this national. Uh, They just kept winning. And if it weren't for uh, Foreman and Creek Killer and and holding them off after a big epic comeback, we may be talking about Karnick and Schrader contending to win a bracket. I mean, that's not a team that I would have, I would have picked ahead of time. So they made a lot of headway on gaining some ground and becoming a legitimate uh, force in in the pro doubles division. So um, so kudos to them. But overall, the, the day and the tournament uh, in doubles belonged to Caleb Batson. I think Schrader and Karnick had a great run because I benched them in my fantasy league. That's why they did it. That's exactly why it happened. That's yeah. exactly why. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. All right, Anthony, what are your thoughts on doubles? Yeah, you actually, when you said Cinderella story, it reminded me of singles, and I was kind of looking for my notes here, uh, and it was li- linked to Alex Hicks's big plummet. How about uh, Carter Bennett coming out of the PDC yes. and taking down Alex uh, Rawls in the Rawls. first round? Yes, yes, and that really uh, that really made Rawls's run just just tough in the bracket. But yeah, so moving on to doubles, um, kind of the same idea. So holding steady. At number seven in the world, uh, they took fourth in their bracket at Natty 2, then fourth again here at Natty 3. Tanner Halbert and Eric Zockline, this one's blowing my mind a little bit because if you look at the singles, right, Tanner Halbert is sitting at the 97 spot in singles. Coincidentally, Zockline is 96. So you're talking about a top, a top seven doubles team in the world and on their own individually, they're barely inside 100 in singles. Digest that for a minute, guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But would though was it one bad national? Like if they drop it, will there be a huge jump or are they consistently not performing? Yeah, I could look at I want to say there were two really bad ones at least for Tanner Halbert, uh, just going off of memory. Um but I don't yeah, I don't think they're going to see a big jump if I remember correctly. There were two bad uh, two bad ones, but that just still blows my mind. It's like, if you just look at the season overall, you got a top seven team and these guys are barely inside a hundred on their own. Um, some top 10 teams uh, moving up spots. Uh, and this is tough, right? Again, when you're inside 10, just moving up anything is really difficult. <clears throat> Lopez Richards go from fourth to third after their fourth place bracket finish right here at Natty three Kano and Hamilton move into top five from six. They get that one spot move. After another second place bracket finish, these guys seem to be, I mean, Mish, remember, uh, let's go back to the shootouts. Who's always on our broadcast, right? Fisher, Hamilton, Cano can't quite get the win. They they have this knack for second place. And we know when teams are consistently showing up as second, here they come. That happened to Tony Smith last year. He was a second Modern place guy. Time. Got to win, right? Carson Getty, second place guy. Got to win. Jordan Power was a second place guy for a while. And then he won some big ones. So I think... Uh, they're due any minute now. And how about Henderson and Hisner coming off of last season? They fell to 25th last season, back this year into the top 10, sitting at six. So uh, really impressed with these guys. You know, they were in none of our top 10s when we were talking at the beginning of the year. Now they're showing that they're kind of back there. Pre-killer and Foreman showing out. They make a bracket final here at Natty 3. That pulls them all the way up to number 11, knocking on that top 10 door. They moved up four spots from 15 to 11. What about this one, guys? Check this one out. Trey Hunt and Bobby Hunt. These dudes were sitting at 17th coming into Natty 3. I was like, okay, that alone, that alone kind of had me tripping a little bit. They improve. They improve four more spots. They are our number 13th team in the world right now. What do you guys think about that one? I mean, I knew they made a deep run. I didn't know where they were starting, though. Yeah, no, they... it's it's what's crazy too is Trey Hunt isn't even healthy. I mean his his elbow still a mess. Still, yes. is still a mess, and they're just hanging around at thirteen. That is wild. Well, you don't yeah. want him healthy then if you're playing That's against him. Yeah. Not crazy. Unbelievable. Um, a six spot move. We got Ryan Smith and Ryan Weedfield. We talked a little bit last week about Weedenfield and where's Weedenfield at? You know, coming in as the advanced champion. We're talking about all these rookies this year. Not talking about Weedenfield. Well, he's killing it in doubles. Uh, they're going to jump seven spots, um, moving them all the way from, from uh, what is it? No, six spots, 13 to seven. And Mish, what do you think about this? I mean, we've got Weedenfield sitting way out there, 100 and something in, in singles, but he's killing it right now in doubles. And I think to me, and you're kind of more, you know, more educated on this. I think that goes to show how good of a partner Ryan Smith is. And somehow Ryan Smith is able to work with Weedenfield, what he's dealing with outside of the game, and able to bring the best out of him in doubles. And it's showing right now with them, you know, with them sitting uh, where they're at and then double in the doubles division. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I was watching them on the courts, and it was really cool to see Ryan Weedenfield, a teenager, new to the league telling Ryan Smith his thoughts on what to do, which I know is common. We see kids tell adults in cornhole like what they think their shot should be. But you know Ryan Smith's the mentor in that relationship. But so to see Ryan Weedville say like, no, do this, do that, and just be really vocal and authoritative, 
Um, I really like that. And I, I agree. I think that, that Ryan Smith brings out the best of, him. I think he grounds him. And I also think it puts them, I, I wouldn't even put them in like in a AB or alpha beta situation. I feel like they're just really balanced and, and help each other be the best leader in each of their roles that they can be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's definitely, it's definitely showing, uh, showing up in doubles. Um, Gore twins. The Gore boys, a big jump from them. They're going to move up eight spots from 21 to 13. So now we're talking about them creeping into that top 10. And uh, Trey, you talked about how Jackson's stepping up his game. If he can match the 2022 Jackson and the 2023 Jacob, that could be pretty, pretty nasty. Graham and Guy also moving eight spots. So we're kind of moving down to these teams, jumping big spots. Now inside 16, they were at 24, which is also very curious. A really tough natty one and two. If you look at how they performed in there, really struggled. So you only get to drop one. I, it's still doable uh, that they get inside top ten, but um, they're going to have to show out in in uh, natty. Would you have lost, lost your house on that one, Anthony? Absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> not in the top ten. You're going to tell me there's 23 better teams than uh, than Graham Guy? How? That that that's just confusing to me. Or even just uh, not in the top 10. I, there's no way I would have bet that they would not be in the top 10. Like, that's so crazy. Right. The biggest move, I think, at Natty 3 is going to go to Grindersleeve and Batson. And we talked about how tough it is to move anywhere around top top 10. These boys, they take down Natty 3, come out as champs, and drop, drop 10 spots from 14 to 4. So now we're talking about a team that was outside, way kind of outside 10, now inside 5. And a little secret, if we dropped all the worst performances right now, we're talking about Grindersley Batson, a top three team in the world right now. Well, you know what? I, I mentioned on the broadcast, I was talking to Eddie, like, what's going on? Like, what do you think this is? And he said, well, we have really good chemistry right now. But he said the biggest difference is that Caleb graduated. He's just been playing cornhole nonstop. He graduated. He's not school anymore. <laughs> like, that's really helping him. 100%. And, and, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say it kind of goes back to the Halbert discussion, you know, like there's something to be said about these committed pro players. They are committed to to, to this as their job. And you got a top 10 guy like Tanner Halbert that is waking up to an alarm and he's going and putting in his, you know, eight to 10 hours a day and struggling to find the time to play the game. So, um, yeah, that was my thought. What'd you have, Trey? I was going to say completely different topic. There was one I wanted to say is I also think it was a big weekend for ACL pro women for the first time ever. We now have five ACL pro women in the top 100, which is a, which is a big number. Yep. And that doesn't even include Bella who, if she show, if she does come back and compete in the last national of the season, barring that she doesn't have an absolute terrible showing, she would likely finish in the top 100. Um, you know, Cheyenne, Kimberly Glass. And then you also had two female teams finish in the top – all female teams finish in the top eight of their brackets. You had Connie Altice and Cameron Belvin, who were really, really good this weekend. And probably the best I've ever seen Miranda Coy play. Miranda Coy and Lori Duell put together yes, a yes. really strong run as well um, and beat some tough teams. So I thought it was overall a, a really strong weekend for the ladies. Michelle, just finish most? up with some – Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, what's the most that we've had on the top 100 of women? Do you know? Don't know off the top of my head. Okay. It's in the, it's single digits, like three maybe. Because uh, yeah. uh, Cheyenne and Sarah, I know, made top 100. And, and then I it was like Yeti. 
Or did Yes was Yeti right outside? Maybe. Yeah, I think she, she could have been right inside. Yeah. Yeah, but th- yeah, now we got we got five. I mean, uh, wow. this year. So I, I had it pulled up. I mean, you have Cheyenne, and then um, you also have Yeti, uh, Kimberly Glass, Rosie Streaker, um, and Cameron Belvin. So it's. It's four ladies, really, uh, five ladies having a really, really strong. And then I believe right outside we have a couple as well that were uh, Miranda's not too far off as well. I mean, with her run this year. So the, all those ladies are currently slated for the Pro Invitational as well. That's something else that we want to keep, might want to start talking about, especially if we get down with that fourth national, is that we have, we absolutely have to start talking about who's going to finish in the top eight in singles uh, for in men's and women's to make that yes. Pro Invitational. 100%. Cool. Go ahead, Anthony, finish up. Yeah, just, just a couple falls. Yeah, so obviously if we got people moving up in those top 10, we're going to have people moving down. Chamberlain, Burton, we talked about them giving up that number one spot, now sitting at two. Malone and Humans fall two spots to seventh. Birchfield and Rawls, who have been all in all of our top 10s, usually in that one through five spot, they fall three spots, barely holding on to 10. They're, they're sitting at 10, so they're barely inside there. And then our world champs, Ruben and Power fall 10 positions from 10th to 20th after a 13th place bracket finish here at national number three. That one's tough. That's crazy. All right. Moving on. We also had teams coming up this weekend and uh, we want to go through the standings of where they all are as of now, starting in the North region, your top two teams are the Ohio aviators and the Pennsylvania ringers. Then we go to the South region, the Carolina Coasters and the Florida Freeze. Central region, Missouri Mays, Texas Bully Baggers. And West region, Colorado Timber and California Slingers. I will say, though, especially in the West, I guess the Central and the West, it's not far off from like the other teams, the three and four are not far off. So I can imagine there could still be some shuffling there. Um, but the North and the South is going to be a little bit tougher. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Trey? Yeah, you, you, you summed it up with the standings. Well, I'll, I'll hit on each region pretty quickly. And then Anthony can give his thoughts. One, the, uh, the American North, we have the Ohio aviators. They're the best team in, in the country right now. Uh, Ohio aviators led by Noah Almanza. What was your grade? Do you remember? It was, it was like a B plus or something. It was solid, okay. but then it went out. Remember when they made that day of trade? That yes. may end up being the key to their success all season because they were able to acquire Gabe Dolan and Carson Getty for Jeremy Shermerhorn straight up, right? Right. And when you look at that over the course of the year, I don't know if that was, you know, here's the <laughs> kicker, okay? Carson Getty's team record this year, 10 and 1, Okay. Played 11 games, has won 10 of them. You talk about someone making a difference after getting traded. So if we look at that, Gabe Dolan, eight and three. Okay. Now, 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 just, just did Alec Ryan Ryan win a game yet? He did. They did. They got one. (laughs) Let's go, my guy. Let's go. So in, in, in contrast, the Michigan Marauders, Jeremy Shermerhorn is seven and four. So they traded a seven and four guy for an eight and three and ten and one guy. That trade ends up being a big difference. Second place, the Pennsylvania Ringers. They started zero and three after the first national. They're now seven and five. They control okay. their own destiny in the American North, 
And if, as long as they don't have an 0-3 collapse with the Marauders or the Woodchucks having the opposite, having an epic finish, the Pennsylvania Ringers can lock up a playoff spot pretty quickly in Detroit. We move on to the American South. This is a two-team race, really. The Carolina Coasters and the Florida Freeze. Now, normally I'd say, you know, just make the playoffs and get in. Here's the kicker, though. The Carolina Coasters and the Florida Freeze, same record, but the Coasters have a four-game lead on the Freeze, so they would win the tiebreaker. The issue is whoever finishes in second place, the first round of the playoffs will have to take on the Ohio Aviators, okay? I do not want to play the Aviators unless I have to. So anything that I can do to try to squeeze out one extra win than the other one to try to get the number one seed because I think, in all honesty, the difference in playing the Ringers and the Aviators could be a significant difference. So um, that's the Carolina Coasters and the Florida Freeze. The sliders really got hurt uh, by losing on Sunday to the Chicagoland Spinners. They're now two and a half games out of that second uh, a second playoff spot in the South. So they would really have to sweep uh, and then hope the freeze or the coasters goes over in, in Detroit, which is unlikely. Then we go into what Mish was saying. I really think the best playoff races are taking place in the Central and in the West. The good news for the Maze and the Central, they're all but locked up on the one seed. I say all but. Technically, again, if you have they get swept, if they lose all their games in Detroit and say the Spinners or, or the Bully Baggers win them all, then yes, they could maybe drop out of a playoff spot, but that just feels so unlikely. So they're locked in. They likely have the one seed, but the I think the hottest race right now is between the Texas Bully Baggers and the Chicago Land Spinners for the second playoff spot in the Central Region, and this is why: the Bully Baggers six and five, the Spinners five and six, but they play each other in Detroit. Oh yeah! So they're gonna go. They're gonna go head to head. So they're gonna have an opportunity if the Spinners win. They gain an entire game on the bully baggers, which means then it's a race to two. Who can win? Who can go two and zero while the other person goes one and one or zero and two in those last few games in Detroit? So I think that is an absolutely incredible playoff race we see there. And then finally, the West, the most difficult region in the entire division. You have all four teams in the playoff hunt. The Timber at seven and four, the Slingers at f- six and five, the Burn at six and six, the High Rollers at five and seven. Yeah. I think the Slingers in particular are the most interesting team to watch, partly because they're one game behind, if you will, the Burn, because they haven't played on the broadcast court yet. So the Slingers, okay, if they win that game, okay, they will likely st- uh, they will maintain a lead. Not likely. They will maintain a lead on the Arizona burn by one game. If they lose, they will have the same match record as the burn, but they will be losing in game differential. So they will find themselves out of the playoff hunt. So that broadcast court appearance where the California slingers will take on the uh, Michigan. No, no. Yeah. The Michigan Marauders is an absolute 
feels like a must win for the California Slingers when we go to Detroit. So the high rollers at five and seven, not even out of it. They just have to have a good Detroit. The timber not locked up. It's the, the one seed. They just can't have an epic failure of the Detroit. So playoff race is heating up. It looks to be incredible, and I just can't wait to watch in Detroit to see who who steals some wins and gets into the playoffs. How about the West, huh, Anthony? How about the West? They hey, don't know. Good... <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a good year for Colorado. Uh, Nuggets yeah. in the ring. We got Colorado <laughs> Timber on top, which is interesting. If you look at their record, their game records, they're barely over 539 and 38, but yeah. seven and four. So. I don't know. Does that tell us that they're just more of a level loaded team and they, you know, they don't necessarily go, you know, let, let's, let's put all of our wins on one side and then lose the rest. Maybe that just means they're a pretty level loaded team and that's working for them. It means every single win that they have was a four to three win was a four to three. So it's right there. Wow. Which is crazy, but they pulled it off. They pulled it off. And, and I don't think people, I would assume thought the West would be the toughest region. That's just my thoughts on that. So right. <laughs> just interesting to see. All right, let's talk and, about. And the- no surprise, last 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 thing. No surprise, the league leader in PPR, Caleb Batson, after what he's been oh. doing recently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just absolutely no just destroying the competition. That he is. And by the way, only been out of school for two weeks, guys. It's only going to get worse for everybody. (laughs) It's going to keep grinding there. All right, let's move on to the midseason award ballots. Uh, You guys are going to give your current ballots for MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Breakout Player of the Year. Let's go ahead and start with MVP. Trey, who you got? All right, MVP. I I have six people on my five-person ballot. So, uh, that makes sense. I have four, so we'll use one of yours. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, tied at number five, I have Fisher Hamilton and Devin Harbaugh. Um, I think Fisher Hamilton just won a big national event. He has a potential to move way up in that. If he can have another strong finish, drop his worst. Devin Harbaugh, number one player right now in pro singles, but he hasn't won anything, right? So He's, he's slated to win man of the year. To me, I don't know how I feel about giving the MVP to someone who doesn't win an event, right? That's just my personal thoughts. Number four, I have Tony Smith. What he's done recently, incredible. I think I'm projecting a little bit. He's sitting at 12 in pro singles. Feels like a reach, but I really believe he's going to have another top 10 finish. He would drop his poor performance. He skyrockets up. Number three, I have Caleb Batson. We're now talking about someone ranked in the top five in both singles and in doubles. And because of that, you end up on an MVP ballot. Same thing with Mark Richards. He sits at number two on my ballot. He's number two in singles. He's number three in doubles. He arguably has the best resume as far as pure rankings go, but again, hasn't won anything. So I can't give him the edge. So my edge goes to Justin Burton Jr. Yes, he fell to five in pro singles. But to me, that was such a poor finish that if he's at five right now and you can almost guarantee me that I'm going to get some upside go up in the ranking by him having a strong finish at the fourth national, that even further solidifies his case. He's got a national singles win, got a national doubles win. I got Justin Burton Jr. as my MVP leader right now. All right, Anthony. Yeah, we, we, we share the same stuff. That's no surprise. Uh, if I did a fifth, it would have been Caleb Batson, all for the same reasons. Maybe some new things I could mention. 
Um, you know, you, Burton Jr. fifth in singles right now. That does again. That doesn't matter. Let's drop our worst. He's going to be the number one player in the world if we drop it. Fisher Hamilton, um, like you were saying, sixth in singles. Another fun little fact because I'm doing a little math in the background. If we drop worst, Fisher Hamilton is our number two player in the world right now. So that to me, when I'm looking at overall MVP, knowing that we're going to drop something, fifth in doubles with Cano, second place for these guys. I think they're due. I think Fisher Hamilton and Cano come out and threaten a world champion or the last national and lock up a, a shootout as well. Um, Tony Smith, I mean, I want to look at him in the big picture. Uh, singles shootout champ or qualifier, doubles shootout qualifier, killing it obviously in doubles right now with Jacob Trzinski. Yes, he's sitting at 12 right now, but again, I'm looking at dropping worst. He's five, and like you said, I think that he's due for another strong finish, if not win a singles uh, national championship. All right, next up, rookie of the year. That's a tough one. Who was number one on your ballot, by the way, on MVP? Was it? Uh, I got I got Justin at the, at the top. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right, my rookie of the year. I'll go a little bit faster now. Uh, number five, I have Gavin Cano. Don't love his singles finish. He's there in doubles. I think he's trending in the upward direction in singles. He'll get there. Number four, a new name. My previous national, I had Jeremiah Hector as kind of a sleeper. This one. Ethan Walker. Ethan Walker has absolutely surged onto it now. He's a top 20 player in the world, sitting at 17. Two nationals had really strong finishes. He ends up on my rookie of the year ballot. Number three, Logan Chamberlain. He's doing it both in singles and in doubles. Already has the doubles win in singles. He's top 15. Fisher Hamilton sitting at number two for all of the obvious reasons. He's got the national singles win. Justin Burton Jr., number one on mine. He was number one on MVP, so he's got to be number one on my rookie. No more Ryan Leedenfield, huh, Anthony? Yeah, so if we go back to the start of the season, we predicted rookies of the year. Uh, I had Fischl Hamilton. I stuck with him, and I've been sticking with him. When when Justin Burton Jr. came out of the gate like he did and Hamilton didn't, I was like, ah, crap. But we're seeing this late surge uh, from Hamilton. Again, if we drop worst case, Worst, worst, worst place finish. One, two, Burton, Hamilton. So it's pretty cool that it's coming down to these two guys. If we look to doubles, um, you know, Burton Jr. getting it done a little bit more. But again, I think Kano is right there. I think that they have the ability to come out and finish strong. I want to stick to, you know, like you said, I have to, if he was my MVP, I have to stick with him. Yes, I'd give Burton Jr. the edge, but I think Hamilton, I think it's going to come down neck to neck. And then Chamberlain out there. Uh, and Kano also uh, something that we should think about for really quick question. I know we're, we're tight on time, Anthony. Would you consider at the end of the year, let's say they have identical resumes. Would you consider as a ballot writer yourself, would you consider putting uh, Hamilton MVP and Justin Burton Jr. Rookie of the year and, or, or vice versa? Or would you feel like you had to vote one for both? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Uh, Cause I think MVP takes other things. Uh, Cause it takes doubles into consideration in rookie of the year. Do you look at doubles? Yeah, you, you should. Do? do you look at shootouts? Not supposed to this year, next year. you okay. will. Okay. So maybe that would be the deciding factor right there. Yeah. All right. Quickly breakout player of the year. Breakout player of the year. Five, Joe Neistat, four, Caleb Batson, three, Hunter Thorne. Two, Alan Rawls, number one, Jacob Gore. Goes from a outside 100 all the way to number one. He earns it for me. 
You made the comment, Michelle, about Ryan Wiedenfeld not being on my ballot for Rookie of the Year. You can't be ranked 125th in singles and be on my Rookie of the Year ballot, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony? Breakout talk player. quickly to yeah talk quickly to give some shout outs to some people. Uh, how about Blaine Rozier was 100 last year sitting at 48. Nick Williams was 65 last year sitting at 20. Derek Holland 45 last year sitting inside 15 at 14. Terry Mathis improved almost double 63 to 34. Jacob Trzinski went from 27 to 10. Rosie Streaker was 206. She is 89. That's 117 spot jumps. But I think you hit the ones that I have as well. Batson going from 26. You get inside top three. That is crazy to do to go from 26 to three. Joe Neistad moving from 29 to six. But I think it comes down to these three, like you were saying. Hunter Thorne going from 71 to nine, a 62 spot jump. Alan Rawls, 45 to three. So he's inside closer. Didn't jump as much. Jump 42 spots, but you're sitting at three. I think that's my number two. And I agree. Number one right now, Jacob Gore. He goes from 118 to the number six player in the world right now. All right. Hot take time. What you got, Trey? Uh, I got to ride with who's hot. I'm going Caleb Batson wins one of the two remaining pro singles events. Oh, yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. Anthony? I'm going to say Fisher Hamilton and Connell get over the second place hump. They win a shootout doubles championship and a national or world championship. Hot take. Wow. Yes. I say uh, Cheyenne Bubenheim wins a bracket the next national. Love that Jeez. one. I love that one. That's all a day. good one, too. Let's go. All right, guys. That's all we have time for. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for joining us.